Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. short rest. Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the Lord Mistress and more Master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I'm Mary. And we are continuing our Planescape coverage this week. We're uh we're just jumping right into it. There's Planescape for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. obvious reasons. Um, you know, you might guess that it has a lot to do with the planes of uh Dungeons and Dragons and D and D lore. And uh, that's exactly what we're what? gonna cover. Yeah, we're gonna cover that over over a period like the of the entirety of the scape of them? Like they're <laughs> the whole oh. landscape the whole of the planes. Oh all the all the whole the scape, scape of, of the planes. Uh, and so we're going to spend three weeks covering all of these. And so the original Planescape campaign setting uh, released in, uh, what was it, like 1995, 1994? 90... Uh, oh, okay. I thought it was 96 for some reason. That might have been Torment is when Torment came that out. That might be Torment, That yeah. Which we that's... will also be talking about. So the original Planescape campaign setting came out in 94, and they put out three different box sets, one for the chaos, uh, or the Plains of Law, which covers the you know more lawful aligned planes, the mm-hmm. planes of chaos, which kind of tended toward more evil type planes, and then the planes mm-hmm. of conflict, which um, despite the name is actually the the the, the planes that kind of tend toward neutrality, but not That's just where like the conflict comes from, right? And so like not to where you know not just like the more. Um, suit or not the more um what i'm looking for uh the most basic idea of neutrality when you think of it Mm -hmm. but more so the um the idea of neutrality like based on the plane itself right so you know it's it's its own form of neutrality it's what you know how it it kind of tweaks and sometimes it's a it tends toward a little you know, chaotic. Sometimes it tends toward a little good, but Same. Uh, or, as, right. And so that's mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to cover uh, four of the planes, four of the six planes within the original planes of conflict uh, okay. box set, uh, and then two of them we're going to keep for our patron plus installment. So if you are interested in hearing about all six of them, definitely check out D and D Lorecast over oh, on Patreon.com. Oh, it's true. Get that and a bunch of other really great stuff with it. Oh yeah! In addition to the um, early to access the, and yeah, like the mm. the bonus content you get early access, uh-huh, you uh-huh, get uh-huh. Uh, merchandise, stickers, shirts, and all all sorts of cool stuff. All sorts tote of bags for crying tote out loud. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, so yeah, in the Patreon Plus installment will be covering uh, the Beastlands and also Carcery. Uh, okay. So let's go ahead and get started with Elysium. Ooh, okay. The most relaxed, restful place in all the multiverse. Here, sods don't care about a cutter's race, faction, hair color, or choice of accessories. That is, as long as she ain't evil or looking for trouble. Because you see, Elysium 
is only concerned with the good. Neither law nor anarchy matters. Just good. And that comes from a uh, a barrier, which is a centaur-like creature uh, okay. named, and I love the name, like the name and the species combined is just fantastic. Stone kick swift hoof. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's a centaur, all right. That's centaur-ish. a centaur. Um, yeah, he's a uh, he's a retired adventurer who uh, I guess you know makes his uh, makes his home in Elysium, which is the plane embodying the concept of pure good without being overly restricted by law or dissipated by the randomness of chaos. Uh, some characteristics of this plane were ascribed to Heliopolis and the House of Nature in the Old World Tree cosmology model. And there are also four layers to Elysium. Um, most of their features uh, are found uh, near the banks of uh, the river Oceanus, which links the plain with the two upper plains, which is Beastlands and Arborea. So Oceanus, uh, that's like the counterpart to the river Styx, okay. which uh, flows through the lower plains as as we uh, as we went through our uh, nine hells tour. As we went through hell. Yeah, duly familiar with the River Styx. Yep. Uh, except, except that Oceanus uh, only has natural hazards, nothing man-made or creature-made, and actually mm. contains potable water. Like You can actually just go up there and, and drink it. I wouldn't recommend so it's not drinking. not like magically cursed? Yeah, I wouldn't recommend drinking from the River Styx. No, I mean, unless you intend on forgetting and losing yourself completely. I mean, if that's unless the that's case. Unless that's what you're after. Yeah, if that's the case, go nuts. Right. I'm not going to yuck your yum, but if you want to keep yourself, don't do it. Not even a sip. Don't let it get on you. Mm -mm. The lands near Oceanus, near the riverbanks, they're lush with trees like pines, you know, um, flowers that fill the air with a natural sort of perfume. Uh, And then further from the river, the trees get a little bit smaller. Uh, still, you know, still around though. And then, you know, they kind of start to, that the whole thing starts to, like the vegetation starts to thin out the further away you get from the river until finally after, you know, hundreds of miles or kilometers, the forest gives way to um, vast greenlands, um, you know, more other fertile regions like, you know, farmlands until eventually it gets, becomes sort of like desert badlands. And I thought this was a pretty interesting note that Elysian pears are considered some of the best tasting fruit and are sold as far as uh, Sigil. You know, so Sigil is one of those places, you know, one of those, you know, we talked about Sigil a little bit a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, that's one of those places where you can kind of find everything. Mm-hmm. And if you want just that, ah, that great tasting Elysian pear, that's a place to get it. Hmm. I'll keep that in mind if I'm. Well, if I'm ever brave enough to venture out that way. <laughs> I I just keep imagining um the making uh making the band with P. Diddy that mm-hmm. was lampooned by uh, on Chappelle show. Mm-hmm. And like just like you your mission is to go out and get an Elysian pair for like a rap mogul or like a bard, like a famous bard. <laughs> and you're trying and you're like interning under him and he's like, I want you to go to Sigil and find me an Elysian pair. That's just where my mind goes. I don't know where anyone else's <laughs> mind goes. Anyways, in Elysium, there are no sun, uh, there are no moons, no stars, oh. except those that the inhabiting powers manifest. You know, um, they're created by moving about in different kinds of vessels, or mm. actually moving their entire realms across the skies. All right, so uh, these three layers that or four layers, I'm sorry, that Elysium is broken up into. Mm-hmm. The first layer, Amoria, uh, it's also referred to as the, quote, uh, innermost layer, mm-hmm. is connected to the astral plane by um, by these color pools and to twin paradises, happy hunting grounds, other planes, you know, within the, within the cosmology. And also the concordant opposition by unmarked portals that are located in dark caverns. So as we go through all these planes, there are going to be many that are connected in one way or another, you know, some in more traditional ways, 
some in mm -hmm. very not traditional ways, like um, perhaps an unmarked portal located in a dark cavern. Wow, that's uh, oddly specific. Yeah, uh, now that I say that, I in terms of D and D, that's actually pretty. That's pretty standard. <laughs> like, pretty standard fare. Right, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, like you know, mm -hmm. IRL, like uh, like you gotta. It's unmarked. You won't. You won't. You won't be able to tell it. It's also in a dark cavern. I'm like, that's a weird place to put something. But in terms of D and D, like actually, that's yeah, it's no, that makes uh, sense. Par for the course. It's exactly where I would put a portal somewhere I didn't want other people to go. Right, right. But um, you can determine uh, where these portals are and where they go by Ooh. using divination spells. So you're able to do that. Oh, okay. Uh, navigating the river Oceanus downstream will also lead you to the happy hunting grounds. Uh, but any other, uh, any underground pa uh, passages, uh, probably not the safest to take by boat. Uh, Amoria best fits yeah. the description given above and the river Oceanus as um, many side channels that split and merge back again, creating these kind of like banks for the establishment okay. of realms. Mm -hmm. The second layer of Elysium, uh, very mountainous, uh, many mm. branches of the Oceanus River um, uh, that become spectacular waterfalls, uh, tumbling mm. cascades before forming channels that are bordered by these really like steep cliffs of gray rock. And like Amoria, Aronia supports abundant wildlife along those banks. So Aronia, the second layer, is marked by a rising landscape, those aforementioned kind of like steep hills, steep cliffs, and mountains mm -hmm. that rise beyond brightly lit clouds from deep valleys of white granite. Uh, and at the bottom of these valleys, the river Oceanus flows in a winding pattern, cutting canyons and gorges and flowing in rapids and extremely tall cascades. I mean, like sort of like seems like if you're an outdoorsman kind of like a like a wet dream it sounds lovely <laughs> i mean it sounds pretty great it does yeah um this is the most dangerous section of the river's course though of course uh, and i mean it's you got to respect nature and there's a there's a great um bit later on in the episode uh one of the quotes that start off each each plane that i discuss mm -hmm. uh, about respecting nature and it's just again like <sighs> The writing in Planescape is just fantastic. It, it is absolutely phenomenal and phrases cannot be sung enough. So this is the most dangerous uh, section of the river and can only be successfully navigated with these experienced, you know, uh, folks who call themselves river rats. So Of course they do. Uh, yeah, I was going to say like, I like, you know, that's, I was going to yeah, say like, if of other course people that's what they're call them that, ah, that seems a little derogative, but they call themselves that, that by all means. Go nuts. Oh, yeah. Uh, unlike Amoria, Aronia has ha uh, has a larger variability in the seasons. Uh, you know, more typical, traditional, like harsher winters, hotter summers okay. um, than the typically temperate regions of even like the prime material world, uh, plane. Um, you know, windy snow, lightning storms are common. In fact, the, the, the wind can be so strong that mm -hmm. uh, throughout the layer that flying creatures have their maneuverability while they're flying considerably compromised. Okay, so that, again, that's a reflection of some of the lower planes as well. Right, right. And then the third layer, uh, Beleriand, contrary to Aronia, this layer, which is often, often known as the uh, forgotten layer, is mostly flat with marshes and wetlands, stretching inland for you know miles or kilometers before mm -hmm. larger plants and trees are to be found uh this gives me um like swampy florida louisiana vibes for sure yep. mm -hmm. uh oceanus mm -hmm. splits and forms many little island nations uh inhabited by extraplanar beans in this layer and the river also flows slowly through the layer into a tangle of channels that um, sort of like weave around sandbars and mangrove forests. And in some places, rocky ridges rise above the bog, making for stable terrain. So the south. Kind of, yeah. I mean, exactly. Yeah, it's like, it's, and it's that's, very, that's, it's the whole river rats aspect. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, and so this is this is where communities and towns are found. So okay, yeah. So essentially, like this this terrain, this land is decent enough to like live permanently, or at least you know somewhat permanently in. Uh-huh. This is where we're going to build. Oh, okay. okay. So this where that's where the like the cabins are to go visit. And, right, you know, right, go and camping and hang out. And they're usually built around lighthouses that serve as you know, just like in in the real world navigation beacons as, to to aid travelers. lighthouses uh, they, they nav they stay uh the lighthouses and the the lighthouses <laughs> in D and D also serve um as lighthouses oh okay well i to be fair it's D D. you really never know you i mean they'll be like a oh, lighthouse i it i'm sure there's a dm that's done a lighthouse and it's just an actual house that doesn't weigh very much it just floats away <laughs> Yeah, it just floats away if you don't tie it down. Right. Uh, so despite the generally desolate nature of the lair, the good influence of Elysium could still be felt in Valyrian in the form of the shiny nature of the fog itself and this sort of luminous vapor that surrounds every light source. And I love some of the some of the lore surrounding the lair. It says that in okay. ancient times... The Gardenels, which is this um, type of like animalistic celestial, think like a lion man, but also kind of an angel. Okay. Uh, so they encountered a legendary Hydra in one of their quests, mm-hmm. you know, thought to be the uh, mythical, unique Hydra that spawned oh. all other Hydras. Mm-hmm. So unable to defeat it, the Gardenels uh, use a teleport spell. And they move the Hydra to Bellerin, after which they closed all portals that, that that led you know out of the lair and sealed it off from uh, divination magic. And as so, a oh, kind of as a prison, okay. yeah. This effectively turned yeah. the lair into this sort of like infinite cage. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And the only exit was the River Oceanus itself, uh, whose blessed waters the Hydra could not touch. So, that's an that's a whole other layer layer of cruelty. I mean, it is Hydra. A Hydra after it's all. got Hydra in its name. You can't keep it away from the water. That's messed up. Poor little thing. Poor little babies. You are you are going to die booping something. I swear. It's going to happen. I'm sure. But at so, least I'll have fun and I'll go happy. Not just the Hydra, but other powerful entities are rumored to like share this uh, prison, um. more or less. Uh, the number and nature of the other prisoners is not known, but mm-hmm. rumors exist of a creature similar to the Tarisk, mm-hmm. um, a legendary black dragon, mm-hmm. a captured archdevil, a demon lord, uh, and even a wounded deity. So this layer is chock full of possibility it is that's a that's an you just like drop so many adventure hooks you did you get a sale did you get them on sale Bulk buy this time like absolutely mm. it's uh Mm -hmm. and then finally the fourth and quote outermost layer of elysium Mm -hmm. was a great ocean sometimes called the thalassian sea and this is both the source and the final destination of the River Oceanus. Um, no, like large land masses exist, mm-hmm. but instead we get uh, smaller green islands that are collectively known as Avalon, and they're kind of okay. scattered around. Uh, some of these islands are rumored to be inhabited by great heroes from the Prime Material Plane. So mm-hmm. I love that. That's kind of like how billionaires in real life have. Like their own islands. I like the fact, you know, thinking like <laughs> maybe like El- Elminster or Dritz like have an mm-hmm. island on uh on the on one on the fourth yeah on the fourth layer of Elysium. Um, um, they could only be reached by travelers who sought the aid of those heroes, and only okay. even after certain conditions are met, you know, determined by the heroes' individual legends. Uh, oh, again, again, just more... story hook after story hook <laughs> after story hook. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And like so when in, you find one more, it's like the scene in every movie where they tell somebody to leave your weapons here and they've always got like one or two more in their boot and oh, it's yeah. an obscene number of weapons. That's what you're doing here with plot hooks and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And more uh, more recently, in terms of the timeline, mm-hmm. um, Helio, uh, Heliopolis is eventually destroyed 
and or essentially destroyed in the spell plague. Uh, and the house of nature is then split into two parts, one of which becomes the deep wild, deep wilds, and the others merge with the green field. So that's kind of where we where we stand with Elysium right, today. Right. right. Now that was one of the you know neutral layers that kind of like that lean toward good i'm gonna Mm -hmm. jump on over to the evil just because i like talking about that more i've noticed that i've noticed i mean elysium's dope i mean like i said it is it's very cool but just something that scratches that itch when it comes to the the naughty parts i don't think that you say should say scratching that itch and the naughty parts in the same (laughs) sentence Everyone when you're knows definitely not talking about. I'm talking about D and D. Talking about right. Dungeons and Dragons. Right, 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 right. Gehenna, the furnace of perdition, compromises or comprises. I'm going to start at the beginning. Gehenna. The Furnace of Perdition comprises exactly four steep volcanoes with peaks at the top and bottom and nary a flat stretch in between. These volcanoes are huge, literally hundreds of thousands of miles across, up and down. Still, it doesn't hide the fact that Gehenna is, overall, one of the smallest plains in physical area. But what Gehenna lacks in size... It makes up for in sheer mean-spiritedness. This is true. So a plane totally and completely without charity, without any concept of pity, of mercy, Mm -hmm. or really any other redeeming quality. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially Gehenna is completely irredeemable. I love that. Well, at least it's honest about it yeah like yeah at least they own it you know (laughs) Uh, beyond redemption again four layers within Gehenna uh, infinite planes with gravity at a 45 degree angle to the ground that makes travelers feel like as if they're always climbing like up the side of a mountain that has no base or peak like you're just always in the in the middle of the climb (laughs) That's worse than most of the stuff in the Nine Hells. I'm just going to throw this <laughs> out there as somebody who has vertigo frequently. That's terrible. Oh yeah, you wouldn't. You it's wouldn't. The last worst. A I would day. hate it. Or I would actually feel like I was normal for once. Maybe, like um, it. like that episode of the, of the Simpsons, the Halloween episode, uh-huh. where Homer sells his soul for a donut, and uh-huh. so goes to hell, and he's like, "You eat all the donuts in the world," and just like just keeps eating. <laughs> And uh-huh. the devil's like, I can't, I, I doesn't make any sense. That would be <laughs> you. Yes. Everyone's like, I can't do this. And you're like, I've never felt more normal in my life. This is so strange to feel normal. Um, <laughs> anyone that loses their footing. So anyone besides you uh, could tumble for dozens, if not hundreds of miles or kilometers before finding enough purchase on the slope to stop their fall. Uh, nearly all the terrain that was not, uh, you know, a river, uh, of either water or a river of lava uh, was slippery enough to, you know, it was either like slightly slippery or you know, pretty like really slick, almost, uh, you know, untraversable. Uh, and so all structures are either built onto the slopes or carved into the slopes. Uh, heat and light come from the ground, uh, much like Tartarus, which we will discuss um, in uh-huh. the Patron Plus. Ooh. But the source was volcanic, lava flows, uh, fumaroles, mud pots are very common, uh, as well as earthquakes and obviously volcanic eruptions occurring, uh, very often tearing the land apart. On the hotter of the layers, unprotected flammable items and and creatures, so like your things and your friends and you, uh, would catch fire. <laughs> Ah, flammable uh, creatures. I'm one of those. Like, yeah, I think almost, I'm a flammable creature. Yeah. Any flammable items and or flammable creatures uh, <laughs> would catch fire from the glowing ground or even from the superheated gases being ejected. Like, oh. That's how hot the gases are, like the vapors that you, you could catch fire. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, the barriers between the layers are always underground, usually in dead-end corridors. And the uppermost layer, Colossus, is the most livable of the four, you know, with uh, waterfalls cascading down the slopes, um, the largest, you know, um, coming from the river Styx. The Styx flows through a rough path, you know, down the slope, you know, falls for thousands of feet or meters uh, and runs through twisty rapids before finally disappearing again into underground passages. So the the safest place is the one with the river Styx? I... Yeah, exactly. Huh. I, uh, that sounds terrible. I love it. So this combination of heat and the river sticks causes uh, steam to rise into an infinite and empty black sky that makes the horizon glow this sort of dull red. And it might not surprise you, but, uh, Kalis touches the astral plane and has connections to Hades and the Nine Hells. What? Imagine that. Shock of shocks. What? The River Styx connects things to the Nine Hells. This, in other news. Um... Hell is hot. <laughs> and Hell is hot. T- Texas is hot. Oh, it's Texas. It's worse. <laughs> and uh, these portals usually appear as black chasms in the floor of deep underground caverns. And, you know, while there's no way of telling where they might lead intelligent travelers, which is to say probably not your average D&D PC, um, they have made markings on the wall uh, by many of them to indicate the portal's destination if one could read them. Oh, gosh. So I just, I mean, I see at least some of the players I've played with like you come across this portal, you don't know where it leads to. Um, you see markings on the wall, you know, da da da, this, that, and the other. It's like, I'm just gonna jump into the portal. Well, maybe you should examine the damn car. Ugh, never mind. You never mind. Okay, it. sure. Go for it. <laughs> uh, this layer is also home to the throne of blood, which is the realm of Ball. Our old friend Ball. Have we just have we had a ball oh, episode? I don't think we have, but we should because it'll be a ball. Oh God, I can't. I can't. I can't with you anymore. I can't. No you more say show. That every time, and yet you keep. I can't. I, you say I, you can't, but you do. I love D and D lore more than I hate your puns. <laughs> Dang, that's, I. Uh, that's a lot of wow. Love. That's a lot of hate too. <laughs> Uh, so the second layer of Gehenna is also known as the Molten. Goes by the name of it's Kamada or Chamada. I'm gonna go Kamada. And it's I don't the... know what Shimada with you. Damn it! <laughs> Sorry. And so the most, it's I'll the most violent, violently active layer, with lava cascading thousands of miles or kilometers wide. City-sized volcanoes, you know, all, you know, yawning open on the slopes, air, you know, filled with this acrid smoke um, that causes blindness to unprotected eyes and um, has the effect of a stinking cloud to the lungs. I mean, this is just... Well, that's what's Jamada. <laughs> that, that's, that's all of that. <laughs> you answered my question. Thank yeah, you. That's what's... That... That's what's Chamada. Uh, so, <laughs> so a lot of you know, a lot of um, where people find their uh, sort of refuge is in underground caves, uh, because below ground the air is much is fresher, but still, and I love this stank of burning flesh and hair. Ew. Yep. That's terrible. Um, this layer houses the Tower Arcane, which is the great library of the Arcanaloths, which contains all the recorded history of the Yugaloths and all their records and contracts of their participation in the Blood War. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The third wow. layer, Mungoth, <laughs> was a land of falling ash and burning snow. That's why it's known as Burning Ice. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Far, right. yeah, far less volcanically active than you know than the than Kalis and and Shamara, mm-hmm. uh, but still, like the volcanoes aren't completely extinct. There's always that 
it's always that threat of volcano. Right. Uh, the furnaces of this layer are fewer and farther apart, which allows the ice and snow to build up in you know the darker places between the active mm-hmm. areas. Uh, nevertheless, temperatures across the layer are pretty low, so that it's almost always under a constant snowfall. And so travelers um, have to be sure to never, you know, to survive and brave the never-ending avalanches of of wet snow and fiery rock. I Upon- it just I. <laughs> it's like as if it, if it's not one. one thing, it's the other exactly. Oh, uh, I see why they're planes of conflict now. Upon hitting it. the ground, the snow and ash mixture turns into this like really like thick mud that also that makes the slopes also very slippery. Um, when the snow mixes with volcanic ash, uh, it turns acidic and could rapidly rapidly damage you know unprotected <laughs> living creatures. Uh, burning through, you know, ordinary clothing. Although, much like the layer above, you know, underground passages, you know, can make travel relatively safe. Uh, in fact, you know, um, because the mudslides and the lava flows are so common, um, mm-hmm. and frequently bury the caves that could uh serve as temporary shelters. Uh, that's why oh. pe- kind of people have to stay on the move. You can't really, yeah. uh, like huddle down for too long. That sounds so sounds many awful. ways to torture players. It it's... sounds amazing and sounds... awful. As a DM, it sounds incredible. You're right. As a player, it sounds it's... like the worst. It's pretty off amazing. So the final and fourth layer is Krangath. The name literally means dead furnaces, because it's completely devoid of any volcanic activity even underground everything's dark everything's cold Uh, although the rock composing the slopes are volcanic in origin the layer has been you know extinct in this way for at least it says several millennia at least by the mid 14th century dr and not only is it geologically dead the layer is Mm -hmm. also devoid of any other signs of life and this to me oh. is the creepiest. There's no wind, no source of light or heat, no natural sounds. The only thing, the only thing that your senses pick up is this pervasive smell of brimstone. Don't like that. <laughs> right. <clears throat> exactly. Like, you know, it's completely still, except you smell like a hint of hell. Ah, oh to hell. Coming soon. Uh, the only times that wind does blow on this layer is when the occasional portal like shifts the air. Uh, and then the only sounds heard are the distant footsteps of those leaving or, or arriving. Uh, the layer's rare petitioners kept very quiet for fear of being discovered by its residing lich lord. Now, keep in mind, I said uh, it's devoid of any other signs of life. That doesn't mean oh, no. that the undead don't chill here. There are signs of unlife? Absolutely. Oh, um, boy. So there's That's a city somehow here. worse than it being empty. I, I don't, I mean, maybe <laughs> worse than it being empty, but I don't know. So there's a city Empty's here. Empty's still pretty problematic. Okay. Hope Lorne that's inhabited mm-hmm. by liches and other undead spellcasters, including Malief. Malief the Lich Lord, who is often described as the ruler of the lair. Uh, And also in in researching this, um, I discovered Shargas, the orcish god of the cold, the dark, and the night. A patron of orcs that acted stealthily in the shadows. Uh, Okay, I can support that. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Shargas is also known as the stalker below or the night Mm -hmm. lord. And he plots the death of the living from the lightless realms deep beneath, deep beneath the surface. He sounds amazing. He sounds like like he's going to have his own dang episode. That's what oh, he sounds like. He does. Yeah. Yeah, he does. But for right now, we are going to jump to the middle of the show, talk our middle of the show stuff, and then we'll be back to finish up uh, 
the planes of conflict. Welcome to the middle of the show. Of course, the middle of the show is where we take a short break from the lore so we can do a little bit of housekeeping, like uh, keeping you up to date on any D&D news, um, digging into the DMs Guild or some other type of homebrew, see what kind of uh, fun shenanigans the homebrew community is getting into. And of course, plugging our socials and obviously thanking all of the patrons. Thank you so much to all the folks that are supporting the show over at patreon.com slash Lorecast. And a special shout out to our newest patron, Rich F. Thank you so much for signing up. Uh, you'll get bonus content. You'll get a sticker pack. I promise they'll, they'll, they will be in the mail soon, uh, as well as early ad-free episodes each and every time. So once again, thank you so much. Uh, your support on Patreon helps us um, do stuff that we obviously uh, that we normally couldn't do, like um, pay artists to commission artwork for merchandise or for the upcoming Magic Items book. Um, but if you want to support the show in other ways, you absolutely can. Of course, going to Spotify, going to Apple Podcasts, and leaving five star reviews, um, just talking us up to anyone, you know, following us on the socials, communicating with us in that way. Uh, we're pretty much everywhere at D Lorecast, whether it be X slash Twitter. I, I'm I'm never going to get used to calling it X. Um, Threads, Mastodon, Blue Sky, uh, Twitch. Instagram, uh, TikTok, or at DND Lorecast. The branding is strong with us. I, I have to admit, like that's if we haven't done much right, we definitely got that right. So definitely check us out all over Lady Gaga's internet. And as far as DND news, well, everything is um, pretty much ramping up towards uh, the full Fandelver campaign book uh, coming out here in a couple of weeks. And we will, of course, have our first impressions. Um, right before it comes out to give you um, to let you know if it's uh, if it's worth your time. If it, but if it's anything like the original starter set adventure, you know the mini adventure of Foundelver, um, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. It's it that still stands as one of the best adventures in fifth edition. Uh, and then of course Baldur's Gate three is still um, you know still hanging on to uh, has a has a grip on the gaming community. Um, Will Starfield. Uh, Bethesda Starfield uh, help loosen it. Only time will tell. But so far, uh, Baldur's Gate has is, is been a huge hit. And as far as homebrew goes, uh, usually we try to suggest something that is in keeping that has some sort of tie to the uh, subject that we're discussing. In this case, uh, you know, Planescape, the, uh, the Planes of Con- Conflict. Um, however, uh, this week and for the next few weeks, I want to do a little something different. Uh, I recently... Uh, participated in a adventure writing workshop that was held by Jaden King and Beth the Bard. Jaden King, you may know them from uh, all sorts of TTRPG work across all manner of companies, uh, D&D in a Castle, and Beth the Bard, you may know from uh, She is the Ancient, a gender-bent Curse of Strahd, who is an official pl- uh, platinum seller on the DMs Guild and can uh, just a released their uh, hardcover copy of the book, or even uh, Daughter of Frankenstein, their successful uh, Kickstarter campaign, which um, we definitely um, backed and are, can't wait to get our hands on. Um, but yeah, so I participated in a adventure writing workshop with them. Uh, still have not finished my my personal adventure, um, but for the next few weeks, I want to highlight some of the um, some of the other. Uh, students, some of the other participants uh, in the workshop, some of uh, their uh, what they what they produce, what their what their amazing imaginative minds produced. Uh, and this week, we're starting off with Nerdy Emma's Echoes of the Lost. The mining company ignored the disturbing history of Mount Calva. Seven days ago, the first miner went missing. Two days later, another two miners went missing. Since then. Another four miners and two children have vanished. So yeah, so it's um it's a one-shot horror adventure designed for a party of four level eight adventurers. Uh you'll find a setting neutral adventure that can be used as a side quest, or you can incorporate into your main campaign. Uh, uh introductory game to create a party backstory, even if you're playing with brand new characters. 
and a whole lot more. And you can get all that for only $3.95 over on DMs Guild. I will, of course, uh, post a link to that in the show notes. Go give it a try. Go uh, support a brand new indie creator. Uh, it's terrifying for um, for folks like that to to take the plunge. Uh, so let them know it's uh, it's not as bad as they as they feared. You know, let them know that there are people out there that are willing to that that are more that are that want to support this sort of endeavor. Uh, but that being said, let's jump back into the show. Welcome back from the middle of the show. Let's. I mean, I I I just want to jump right back into these planes. Yes, please. I want to. I want to jump into Bytopia. Oh, all these layers and Bytopia. I am starting to get hungry. I think. From 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 what for what what? You keep talking about all these layers, and I keep thinking about cake, and then you said Bytopia, and now I'm thinking about biting something with layers. No, not not. Bytopia, no? Bytopia, because it's it's dual layers. You know, one, uh, it's called the Twin Paradises. Now, here's a place, two, actually, where a cutter can find a good job or comfy case. All sorts of beings choose to live around here. There's plenty of wild animals, even some of them giant kinds. There's magical creatures, too. And, of course, the powers that reside here. All in all, it's a pretty nice place to live. It ain't fancy, but a body could find a worse place to set his case. And that comes from Jesper Hynos, a gnome traveler. Well, he's just precious. <laughs> I knew I knew you would think so. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like the name Bytopia, uh, made of two layers, Dothian uh, and Shirok. Oh. Uh, the two layers, each glowing with a golden white light. Uh, they're joined uh, at one barrier which happens to span the entire sky at about uh, 10 miles or 16 kilometers above sea level. Uh, so the inhabitants could like look up and see the other layer hanging upside down high overhead. No, thank you. Uh, no, it's fine because like gravity for each layer is normal for that layer, but then switches direction as soon as you cross the barrier. So it's Just, fine. It's fine. That's terrifying. Uh, several mountains uh, reach the crossover point, and a few mountains rising up, uh, you know, a few meet other mountains rising up from the other side, which allow careful climbers a way to reach the other layer. So you climb up a mountain in Dothia, uh -huh. and then you somehow, you're, you're able to kind of like, get over to another mountaintop in Chirac and then climb down that one and now you're there you just like handstand on the top of it and like flip your legs down and then walk down the other side yep just... exactly it's exactly <laughs> what I meant by what I said that what I said carefully <laughs> get to the other mountain that's exactly what I meant it's just handstand and then just flip your legs over I mean you gotta be real careful though because what if you go I'm just picturing someone trying to switch layers or shift over to this other mountain and face plants because the other side's gravity picks up. <laughs> We're well, quite sure where the boundary was. Oh, it was a little bit closer than I thought. I closer. Yeah. Um, you could also fly from one side to the other as well. That, you know? Yeah, I guess that'd probably make it easier. Uh, the animals in the twin paradises are sentient with above or average intelligence or above, uh, but they do not have the ability to speak. Uh, some trees are also intelligent, you know, making them similar to the tree ants in the on the prime material plane. Mm -hmm. um, the usual menagerie of upper plane creatures are found here, including solars, uh, devas, baku, others. Uh, Dothian was a bacolic land of old forests, huge meadows that um, are subject to only a mild temperature change, you know, and mm -hmm. you know, typically mild weather with benign seasons. Okay. Um, the landscape is orderly, domesticated. You know, you have a lot of farms prospering and growing. You know, animals confined to the properties of their owners. Mm -hmm. um, Water-powered mills make um, flour and meal. You know, very like pastoral. Like when you think yeah, when you think of uh, pleasant, right? Like when you think of kind of like walking through like farms and villages in like Skyrim. 
Yeah, for... it's just very commoners' villages. Right, right, right. And the roads, uh, uh, not uh, you know well traveled, but also well kept. Oh, nice. The farmers of the lair, the miners, the smiths, the artisans spend their lives joyfully producing food and wooden and metal uh, items like art, uh, jewelry, clothing from the raw materials that are widely available. Uh, and the workshops and towns are dedicated to nothing but the common good. Ooh. So you got portals to the seven heavens here, obviously. Elysium, that makes a lot of sense as well. Uh, these are found in caverns um, as brightly glowing patterns. You got concentric mm-hmm. circles for the seven heavens uh, and radiating lines for Elysium. And for okay. the layers that go to the concordant opposition, these are often superimposed and they resemble more of a spider web. So you definitely know, oh. you know where you're going with these. As opposed right. to some layers where you have no idea where you might go. Yeah. Uh, travelers. Oh, yeah. That, well, that might be helpful, I guess. I right. And <laughs> to know where you're going. Uh, travelers from the astral yeah. plane would emerge from the color pools on this layer. Uh, and this layer is also home of uh, or the locale of Deep Home, which is, and I, 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 noted this specifically for this reason it's a realm of the snurf snurf neblin snurf never snurf neblin snurf snurf neblin god caladurin caladurin smooth hands that yeah that 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 god you just wanted to say his name caladurin smooth hands which are in smooth hands which we have to do an episode on him too. Have to. So of course. Across the barrier, Chirac has the same sort of like landscape features, but much mm-hmm. harsher weather. You know, the summers are more hot, the winters are longer and colder. And unlike the you know, mild winter and clear skies of the other layer, Dothian, the weather on Chirac, also known as storm racked, is harsh oh. and unpredictable. Uh, mm-hmm. As keeping with its nickname, storms are more common here. Booming thunder, right. heavy, rain, heavy rains. Uh, so in general, life on the Shrock side is more challenging and keeps the inhabitants busy. Like yeah, but uh, but both sides are virtuously industrious. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, it doesn't really, you know, kind of like sour their attitudes, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the landscape is very mountainous, uh, abundant creeks, rivers that flow fast through the layer. And the layer also has a, an abundance of raw materials. Um, and just like oh. it's, you know, just like it's companion layer, Chirac has a, is a place of hard work and satisfaction from a job well done. But instead of taming the land, work on Chirac focuses on the extraction of the natural resources. So the wild landscape of the layer is peppered with mines, mills, quarries. Um, oh. But due to the harsh weather, and the rocky, irregular terrain, most dwellings and active work sites are actually underground. Oh. And I so, mean, that, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah, I get it. I get it. And I love this. So in order to transport these raw materials from Chirac to Dothian, you know, like that weird, like traveling up and then uh-huh. like, then kind of like flipping over and then traveling down. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, traders... First, have to brave the harsh weather of the lair to either reach a portal to Dothian, which is usually controlled by guilds that charge high tariffs, or uh-huh. transport them directly there using a floating gnomish contraption. That sounds about right. So, taking advantage of the unique configuration of Vitopia, traders put their goods into protected baskets. And sew together large pieces of tarp into bags, which uh-huh. they then fill with hot air. So much oh, okay. like a hot air balloon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, you know, so after a- a- attaching enough of these bags, it begins to float up until it reaches the divide between the layers. And so by the time that the load crosses the divide and starts falling toward Dothian, the cooling air has lost enough of its buoyancy for the cargo to gently descend into the layer. Oh, very nice. 
nice. It makes me kind of sad and kind of happy at the same time that they've created <laughs> balloons. They created like, balloons. Aw, you poor little things. It's also home, uh, Shirak is, to an adamantite dragon named Merciala. Oh. He's but, just going to drop a dragon in there. He's going to drop a dragon into this like, like little you know, Stardew yeah. Valley type situation. Yeah, um, it's all precious and adorable. And there's a dragon. And there's a dragon. Uh, some there claim, it is. Yeah, some claim that uh, the adamantite dragons, you know, all live on Bitopium. But, you know, sightings of these, you know, plural dragons in different parts of the plane, it's really just, you know, her getting around. Oh. Um, but never fear she is the self-appointed guardian of all that is good in this rugged area uh and often teams up with air sentinels who also make their home here uh to keep the lair as safe as she can i'd boop it i mean and you might survive this one because your heart is true Mm -hmm. you come from a pure place of absolute ignorance (laughs) <laughs> it's it's just purely wanting to boop all the things so it's from a place of love well you're not going to want to boop anything in our last layer the oh, gray waste oh yeah no i'm okay thanks the waste takes your dreams and perverts them it grants your deepest wishes and then takes them away for the first few days that you're here you have incredibly vivid dreams and your imagination runs rampant. It goes faster and faster until you realize you're running out of ideas, until you realize that this place has sucked everything from you. There's precious little that'll keep you from ending it all then, unless you can hold on to a scrap from your past and nurture it till it becomes a hope for the future, or you just fade away into nothingness. That's from Dalton the Gray. Uh, described as a terminal visitor to the waste. Oh, so yeah, I would say if you're a terminal visitor to the gray waste, I'd say being called Your the gray choices. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, choices. Come on. Your life choices, sir. So the demons are the presumed ruler of Hades, which is what um, the gray waste is also known as. Um, but they're actually outnumbered by this really interesting bird-like like avian type creature called the dyak who are the natives to the plane um oh. additionally you know factions of demodans carry on this like low level insurgency sort of rebellion like sniping at the demons but generally avoid large-scale conflict that might attract the attention of the resident deities well that's smart <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, also known to inhabit all the layers of Hades were nightmares, like not just, you know, the kind you have in your sleep, but also like the right, evil right. horses, uh, mm-hmm. night hags and others. Uh, most souls that arrive in Hades become larvae, like these sickly human headed worm spirits that are Ew. harvested by the night hags as a commodity for lower plane commerce. Oh, fantastic. So the worms are their dollars. Uh, there are three layers in Hades in the Gray Waste. Uh, they're actually called glooms, and for good reason, because the realms are utterly devoid of emotion, of hope, of peace. Oh. Obviously, it's the doldrums. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a gray land, a gray sky throughout, no sun, no moon or seasons to brighten up anything. Um, And what's interesting here is that any color other than shades of gray would obviously be obvious, you know, against the background. Oh gosh. Yeah. But then they would also fade to gray in about a week or two. Oh, and like bright colors, beans also begin to fade. You know, at Mm -hmm. first they feel the drain of emotions, leaving only sadness and, you know, apathy defeatism mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and after a 10 day or two they will be trapped in hades in the gray waste and their existence will begin to fade until and you know until they actually become that that larva that huh. is then you know harvested by night hag and then used to buy like a soup or something i don't know i don't know what night hags you need money they for buy soup 
don't well, know. yeah, I mean, I guess they do go out and buy their soup. They're using your, their cauldrons for other things. Exactly. Uh, Hades is a unique plane because it not only uh, it's not only uh, joined to the adjacent planes in the Great Wheel, it also holds the foundation of both Mount Olympus and the roots of Yggdrasil, the world ash. Oh. So these two planar artifacts connected Hades to Olympus and Ysgard and allowed travel between Hades and the upper planes and alternate prime material planes without having to go through the astral plane. But, I mean, it's a shortcut for sure, but God, it's a hell of a shortcut. I don't... Yeah, exactly. You don't. Like, you just don't. You don't. (laughs) I don't. So let's talk about the layers. So Oinos, the first layer of Hades, was named for the Lord of the Demons, the Oino Demon, and Thrakus the Decayed. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. It's awesome. That's a fantastic name. I need that on, like, I need that. I need a a band named Anthrakis the Decayed. Oh, yeah. I'm here for it. So Oinus uh, was the land of disease with stunted and withered plants amid mm-hmm. this rocky gray terrain. Uh, our old friend, the river Styx, flows through the lair, of course. And there are portals to Tartarus, Gehenna uh, that look, and this made me laugh because it made me think of like old school Mario. Looks mm-hmm. like huge spinning metal coins <laughs> visible for miles often gar- guarded by iron fortresses. <laughs> yeah, or uh, Donkey Kong. Yeah. Any of, of the DK coins. Yep. The DK coins, that's what those are. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyone walking this land or floating on the river sticks has a chance of contracting a major disease called the wasting sickness, mm-hmm. which was believed has to do with the many rotting corpses which the aforementioned blood war produced. So, Ugh. yeah, all these dead devils and dead demons, uh, they just leave them there, I guess. <laughs> and, like, and now I you mean, get sick. Yeah, what are you going to do with them? Bury them? Well, not, I, mean, I guess they're not, they're not going to do anything with them because many of the demons and a lot of the other creatures from the lower middle planes uh, who make their homes here are actually immune to the disease. So if it's not affecting well, them, I guess they're not going to, they don't care. I guess it's not a problem. Uh, ew. Ew. Um, the landscape consists mostly of plains with the occasional hill. Uh, and it's the primary battleground of the blood war. Like I um, mentioned earlier, all those dead bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was where the fighting was the fiercest, the yep. most constant. And it's how it got its nickname, the battle plane. Um, there are stunted trees, um, because and uh, the other plant life is routinely destroyed because the fiendish armies are just trampling all over it. Right. Uh, in addition to that, the sounds of battle could be heard anywhere on the lair. Oh, I believe it. Uh, compared to Oinos, the second layer or the, the second layer in in this uh plane, Nilfheim, Nilfheim, Nilfheim. Uh, is it is... Nilfheim or Niflheim? Niflheim? Niflheim. It's Niflheim. That's Niflheim. (laughs) That makes me real happy. That is a silly name. Well, it's not a silly place. Uh, The landscape is rougher. Uh, Got foothills, Mm -hmm. uh, cooler temperatures, healthier vegetation, including like pine trees, and no disease. Oh. But... um, Everything is soaked in this dreary fog and mist, which limits vision to about 100 feet or roughly 30 meters. Second, so that impedes your vision. Second, it has sound impeding effects. So those two, the combination of those two, you know, uh, make this a, you know, hunting ground for predators like trolls, uh, both fiendish and dire and normal wolves being the most common and dangerous. So many types of wolves. I mean, and it's literally see no evil, hear no evil until evil consumes you. And then nom, nom, nom. third, the resulting dampness causes non-tended metal to rust. Oh. 
Um, Niflheim is also known as Northman's Despair. Consists mostly of forest land with bluffs to kind of just jut out um, and then quickly fall away. Um, and to be honest, it, it looks a lot just like a grayscale version of just regular forest land from the prime material plane. Oh, okay. So like, you know, like a lush forest, but like sad, <laughs> like just a bummer. Like, I mean, I vibe with being lush and sad. I get it. <laughs> Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Yggdrasil, the world ash, has its roots in the heart of Niflheim. There, the dragon Nidhogg endlessly and furiously chews on the tree, carving a hole in its root. Uh, the dragon will usually ignore travelers going up and down the branches, but will furiously defend herself and her progeny against any threat. And this was most interesting to me. I wanted to, yeah, this might be like a, like a, mini episode if i can find more information on it but there's a town mm-hmm. called death of innocence that is unique oh. as its citizens don't succumb to the normal like hopelessness and apathy of hades of, of the great interesting Grey okay so uh, yeah i'd be really interested to see like how that comes Ooh. about mm-hmm. uh and then our old friend char the goddess uh oh, you know yeah. once used to have a home here yeah that sounds about right Exactly. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> the lowest level of Hades. I was going to say the lowest level of hail. Uh, the lowest level of Hades <laughs> is known as the Olympian's gloom. So oh. Pluton contains the base of Mount Olympus. And it is a direct conduit through the astral plane to the plane of Arborea. Okay. Uh, the gray motif. Obviously, it's a gray waste continues, uh, but Pluton is not as cold as Niflheim, and okay. it's still like a relatively temperate, cool place. Um, its vegetation is that of a subtropical, tro- subtropical, subtropical <laughs> place. It's a-, uh, it's a it's a doozy of a word, <laughs> um, you know, with willows, olive trees. Um, but these trees are in the state of dying. And it says, and for an unknown but very long time. So these trees these have trees been These trees are dying. taking forever to die. And it's believed oh. Oh, that these no. trees had petitioners of the lair inside them. And that druids could feel the tree's sadness. Haunted forest. Exactly. Uh, the blood war is not waged on this lair. But sometimes mm-hmm. fiends uh, come to get the soul of a particularly skilled person. Oh. Um, like I said, it has the base of Mount Olympus, which is mm-hmm. located near the entrance to the realm of Hades. Uh, since it avoided the upper layers of Oinos and Niflheim, it was used frequently by travelers despite being a little bit more dangerous and treacherous. Uh, there's a city named Corpus uh, on this layer. That was made of people. I was about to say, I wonder what it's made of because it's, I know how D&D names things. It's made of people. The streets it's made of people. are made of living bodies. Wait, I'm sorry. What? Living? Living bodies. You are walking on living people. <laughs> <gasps> and if we weren't surprised that Char used to kick it, uh, in Niflheim, it should be no yeah. surprise that legend goes that the Raven Queen was originally oh. a sorceress who led a rebellion against a god of death who held domain in Pluton. Where Char goes, I mean, yeah, it it's should be... not it's it's not a far jump. I'm just saying. You know, uh, so other deities recognized her as one of their own. But in order to prevent her from becoming a tyrant, much like Mm -hmm. the defeated deity, they granted her domain over death, but not over the dead themselves. Just that tiny little moment of death. Yes, just that's that's all you get. That one moment. But what an intimate. Well, that wraps it up this week for the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. Again, we will be discussing Beastlands and Carceri in the mm-hmm. Patron Plus installment 
mm-hmm. this episode. So if you're interested in hearing that, head on over to patreon.com slash DD Lorecast. And until mm-hmm. and then next week we've got we've got our patron roundtable. It's a, gonna be a humdinger. Ooh. We're doing some homebrew yeah, stuff. We do. It's gonna be fun. And then after that, we got even more Planescape. We're just barreling just, toward just, Planescape. We are, yeah, it's plain to see. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Thanks for putting up with me. My name is Sergio. <laughs> and I'm Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show... Consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at DD Lorecast, or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows? 